0: This is TV Podcast Industries. It's Monday, and we're talking about Pennyworth again on the Pennyworth Podcast, about episode five Shirley Bassey. How can I help you, Miss Kane?
1: I wouldn't have intruded on you. But I have orders. The League wants you to come back to work. You're still doing what you're told. Tell him no. Tell him not to ask again. I will. Thank you.
0: I'm doing what I'm told because I need a reason to get up in the morning.
1: I can't help you, Miss Kane.
0: I won't do violence anymore. I can't. Welcome back, Governors, to the fifth episode of Pennyworth. It's Monday, yeah, we're talking about Pennyworth on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about Shirley
1: Bassey. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Governors. I am one of your other hosts, John. Yes, we are going all bond themed here mm-hmm. where, uh, we really do get to see that the CIA does control everything. Ooh, ooh,
0: spoilers for the episode. Yes, this is our spoiler filled discussion for episode five of Pettyworth. Uh, we, I've just watched the episode and it was a big one. This is like, this episode is probably what is going to kick off the rest of the series. Um, pretty huge.
1: Yeah. It is, um, I think definitely a new kind of, not start or beginning but it's a new thread within pennyworth for mm-hmm. sure um, and certainly things do get mixed up and a few people from the first few episodes you know first two three four episodes uh, make an appearance here and show how they are positioning themselves and how they are playing within this world mm-hmm. of pennyworth so mm-hmm. it, it's really really good i think um, to see uh the the movers and the shakers. And of course, it's great to have Francis Gaunt, the leader of the Ravens Society, back on the screen. Yeah. She is quite a force, I think, to be reckoned with. But she may also have met her match in a much more subdued and subversive way from the leader or the new leader of the No Name League, as we will discuss shortly. But certainly, yes, these two societies are front and center along with the machinations of the cia plus we do get to see um the cultural tradition uh, in britain for offering up a cup of tea whenever um they're not entirely sure how to handle The emotional situation In the prevailing room So yes there's a lot of cups of tea Offered in this episode
0: I swear it would be like that little counter in Futurama Where where Fry was drinking all the cups of coffee That little counter that goes up every time Someone mentions do you want a cup of tea It's over and over again through this episode (laughs) We do want to say a huge thank you To those of you that have subscribed to the Pennyworth Podcast or subscribed to TV Podcast Industries And joined us for these episodes of Pennyworth So far Absolutely. Yeah. If you've been enjoying what we're doing make sure you share the podcast podcast. Anybody else that you know that may be interested in listening to this uh, does have a small viewership because it's on a small channel in the US. So make sure you share the podcast with other people that might be interested. Um, I think you'll probably see from this episode, it's really kicking up a notch. <laughs> so this, I think the rest of the series, if it follows this trajectory, the rest of the series is going to be really, really good. So make sure you share the podcast. We'll be here every Monday with our reviews of the podcast. And you can subscribe over on tvpodcastindustries.com um, You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any other straight-laced or groovy podcast catcher uh, where you'll find us over there. Um, All you need to do is just search for Pennyworth or Pennyworth Podcast and you should see us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Please share the podcast to share the groovy, woovy love. Mm -hmm. But let's get on to our spoiler-filled review. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, once again, episode written by Bruno Heller, the wonderful
0: showrunner for this show, but it was directed by Rob Bailey, who is returning to the Batverse. Rob Bailey, we know very, very well over our five years of uh, of doing coverage on Gotham. He did 11 episodes of Gotham over the years, including that big finale episode where we finally saw Batman in the show, and now he's going all the way back to Batman's Batman and directing an episode of Pennyworth. It's the first of two episodes of Pennyworth that he directed uh, this season, so we'll see him again. So obviously made very close friends with Bruno and with the uh, the showrunners for the show to be able to be brought on board for two episodes of this first season of, of pennyworth
1: yeah good stuff yeah good stuff really enjoy rob bailey back uh in the Batverse, verse the dc verse or the gotham verse or the, the pennyworth verse <laughs> some verse that is associated with the batman yeah, exactly i think we just call it the Batverse, right it's about yeah i think so, so. yeah definitely. john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode sure on a london street lord harwood's fate takes a curious turn as he is rescued by Bette and Peggy Sykes, and begins his rehabilitation back at the Spices, semi-detached. Months later, the streets of England are in turmoil, as the gang war rages between the Raven Society and the No Name League. As the opposing factions look set to meet and hammer out a truce, a new assignment is on the cards for Martha Kane and Alfred Pennyworth. But Alfred is still in turmoil following Esme's funeral, and turns the work down. Thomas Wayne is forced to look elsewhere, turning to Davy Boy to help murder Francis Gaunt, the leader of the Raven Society. Still wallowing in guilt and grief at his parents' house, Alfred appears rudderless until John Ripper presents Alfred with an offer of another job that, if completed, will help to expose the murderer of Esme. At a fine restaurant, Francis Gaunt meets the leaders of the No Name League, Julian and Undine Thwaite. However, midway through Starters... Davy Boy attempts his assassination, but is shot by his intended target. Bleeding out on the floor, another assassin comes for Francis Gaunt. As Alfred unmasks himself, he rescues Davy Boy before killing his actual target, Julian Thwaite. The next morning the world has turned. Francis is still alive. Undine Thwaite wakes up next to John Ripper, having betrayed her husband, and Alfred has had more than a pint at the Severed Arms pub. <laughs> Very good, John. Thanks so much for that synopsis. Yeah. That's really good. And hopefully Davy Boys survived the night, because I think uh, Alfred was up to shenanigans behind the bar. As Davy Boy was bleeding out uh, on one of the pub uh,
0: boots. Well, I did pay attention, and uh, the second time I watched the episode, you do hear him snoring uh, uh, and okay. <laughs> while he's lying there. So he's just fallen asleep. Uh, he hasn't okay. even died. There's Thanks. a couple of moments actually throughout those scenes where you see Davy Boy kind of pass out from the loss loss of blood, and you're kind of going, "Is this it? Is this the end of Davy Boy?" <laughs> but it's not. So uh, we will definitely talk about that as we go through our questions for this episode. This show is full of questions for us, so we go through our top five. Questions each week, the things that stood out to us in the episodes that made us question what's going on in this world, made us see things in a different way, I suppose. So let's get on to question number one. Is Alfie seeing dead people, John?
1: He certainly is. Mm. I loved um, the fact that Spanish came to give him a bit of advice, maybe try and wake him up uh, a bit from his kind of slumber. You know, he is absolutely. Um, stricken and broken, I yeah, think, I think so. uh, by the death of Esme. And probably because he knows that he had left it in harm's way. He knows he had that passing intimate moment with, with Martha Kane. And ultimately during that time, Esme was, was murdered. So yeah, Alfred here is, I think, broken uh, and battered. Yeah. And certainly I, I think even after he has kind of been rewoken by John Ripper with the uh, the jogging and the new assignment, I do think that what happens in um, the the severed arms pub afterwards probably still shows that he's all over the place. Absolutely, I think there is now um, a notion that Alfred is broken by Esme's death here, absolutely, but there is a lingering break from his uh, army times, yeah. um, and yeah. the death of Spanish, uh, and the PTSD associated with that. So yeah, Alfred, I think it is on stormy waters, to mm-hmm. be honest. And I, I think it really shows here quite nicely, uh, you know, him blaming himself, uh, for the death of, of, of Esme when he has that conversation with Spanish. Yeah. I really like actually they've done this route with Spanish and I, I really like that they have his wounds all still there and mm-hmm. we do get, uh, a moment where it's Spanish and the lady from the Darkness Tea Rooms. Mrs. From, Darkness? Yeah, uh, from boughton Wasset. Yes, uh, Mrs. Darkness. I'm not sure whether that's her actual name, but
0: they're, they're still calling her that on IMDb. She says it was a family name and he's kind of looking at her going, I don't think it is. I think this is actually just the Darkness Tea, <laughs> room, tea <laughs> yeah. Rooms. Uh, but it is interesting to see her showing up. and the two of them kind of trying to placate... Alfie a bit you know they're trying to just kind of calm him down a little bit and and give him some kind of self-help effectively now we you'd believe that i suppose the ghosts are kind of manifestations of what's actually going on in Alfie's mind it's a way of him sorting through his own issues you know we hear from uh, from John Ripper that there's no such thing as ghosts they're just uh, they're just products of a weak mind, effectively, is, is his version of it. Now, we're not saying that Alfred has a weak mind, but he's definitely going through some serious things, and these are the two people, most recently, that he feels responsible for their deaths. We haven't seen Esme back, but it is possible that we will
1: see the actress of Esme come back if he's seen ghosts already. Absolutely. We possibly see her in the future. Which is a nice moment, actually, if that does happen, I think. Mm. I think it would be working quite nicely with the flashbacks, and now this ghost element with... Spanish and, uh, the tea room lady. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, it is interesting at the funeral, just quickly, cause we don't need really to mention this later on, but it's interesting at the funeral as the, as her body goes into the grave, we see Alfred almost jumping in after and he's being held back by Bazaar and Dave Boy. Um, he's in that much grief, I suppose. One of the things that did kind of stand out about the funeral is there's not much interaction at all between Alfred and Esma's father. You'd expect some kind of moment of potentially him saying that he blames Alfred for this, particularly because he's taken it on himself.
1: Yeah. I was mm. thinking that too. I mean, you do, it, you only get a brief glimpse of her father. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was expecting some kind of fallout from that. You know, I told you so or I blame you. Yeah. That would really then kind of resonate with Alfred wallowing and blaming himself exactly. in the conversations with, with Spanish.
0: Cause as um, we had, as we had that conversation about that moment back a couple of episodes ago where where he's saying that I'm going to cut her off I'm going to I'm going to deny who she is she's not going to be able to have access to any of the money that I have we were saying by the end of the episode that, that was kind of a pointless scene because they're still together at the end it's just another one of those um upper class versus lower class discussions that are kind of a bit bad in 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 TV shows cuz they use so often it would have made sense to have it here, wouldn't it? Have it here, saying Absolutely, you know she was attracted yeah. to your darkness, and that's what led to her death, and that, and yeah, adding on top of all of the pressure on top of Alfred. So it is quite interesting. What 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 also stood out to me is right at the end of these scenes where John Ripper is back at the grave at the graveyard. We see months later. Remember, we still see a wooden cross on the grave of Esme because Alfred hasn't been willing to put uh, to put up an actual gravestone. Ripper's kind of. Niggling at him about that, effectively, and Alfred's like, "Oh, you're just looking for business from me." But her father didn't do that either. Her father yeah, exactly. didn't put up the gravestone either. So has he completely written written her off? It
1: feels like a, it suggests so yeah. definitely.
0: Because it's only two episodes since that episode, so it feels like you really would play up that moment if yeah. you if you wanted to make a real connection between the two. So I just thought that
1: was quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, I think as well. I really enjoyed seeing John Ripper back. Oh here. yeah, um, I, and I, I liked that. He, he pulls Alfie back from the brink a bit here, just mm-hmm. through the jogging. It's amazing how, um, young he looks here. Alfred. Yeah. Jack Bannon looks really, really young here. He looks like a teenager. Yeah. Um, it looks like he's been told off by, uh, John Ripper. And when he's running, he's kind of, you know, he's got his hands pulled up into the sleeves of the, the sweatshirt. And he, it's like, it just kind of reminds me of doing cross-country running and Mm -hmm. not wanting to do it and (laughs) really just probably making it even worse and harder than just running it because you're kind of just dragging yourself around it's that
0: real that's so unfair kind of attitude about him yeah so it's the way his hair his hair is as well because he's so normally so prim and proper he's so well maintained he's normally got a suit on and his hair perfectly balanced we see that later on when he comes back but in these scenes, as you say, you know, he's wearing this grey track suit and running really slowly behind Ripper. It is actually a, a technique for depression, apparently, to bring people out and, and get them running. does actually help people source through some some forms of depression. So, I'm glad they used that in the show. It's kind of getting some air inside him, you know, and eventually it's only after a long time running and only after Alfie starts to beat Ripper that Ripper actually talks about his true purpose and talks about why he's there. So, he is trying to help Alfred get back to himself in, in some sense. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind Definitely. of intrigued by why John Ripper does that. Is it because he really needs the help of Alfred, or does he actually care for this guy a bit?
1: But, but Ripper is also offering um a a contact, a, mm-hmm. a, a name uh, of of the person who killed Esme, um if he does this job, and the absolute condition is that he completes it. Yes, um, which is really really interesting here. Yeah, uh, I I think as well you know, John Ripper also puts in that kind of seed into Alfred's head that whoever has done this with Esme, it's the fact that he or she dislikes Alfred so much that he is prepared to see that him live in misery, Mm -hmm. in uh, continual and tortured misery, rather than actually killing Alfred himself. Yeah, Um, And it puts... You know, Alfred starts inquiring sort of at the severed arms, he goes, you know, where is Jason Ripper? Um he asks uh Baza, Do you know of anyone who absolutely hates yeah. hates me? And the does say, yes, I know a lot of people, but then when it, it, it's sort of drilled down, it's like, well, I don't know anyone that would do that. It would exactly. be, they would just kill you or go for you rather than go for your loved ones. Yeah. So
0: it's more, there's a couple of people that you yeah. barred from the, barred from the, uh, the club that might not like you very much, but there's certainly nobody that would, that would go to these pains, you know? Um, it's quite interesting. Let's, let's kick off this point and go on to the next point that that's right on our question number two, because I think Beth Sykes was marked as one of our, possible killers of esme yes and there is that discussion again after the funeral there's a discussion that is brought up with between her and peggy where beth says she went to visit esme she was standing outside the building when she saw two people enter the building with a key now beth saying that they could be the killers because of when it happened and peggy's kind of looking at her going yeah yeah well tomorrow it's going to be a different story as to who the killers were so another unreliable narrator here in beth yeah but If you notice, the guy that was walking into the house with his wife or with a a woman was wearing a hat on his head, just like the killer and the strangler uh, who killed Esme. So it is possible that Beth thinks she knows who did it. It's also possible that Beth did it and she's trying to cover her tracks because she continually says, you know, those two didn't belong together. Esme was way too good for Alfred. Um, He's not the type of person. He's not the right uh, person that would have been with her, basically. So did she kill Esme to get back at Alfred? She seems to be the only real candidate right now. Uh, other than the societies, I suppose <laughs> she seems to be the only person that we know of that specifically hates Alfred so far.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, and I think, Jack Ripper, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think if you're to believe that scene, then it, yeah, it's a man and a woman that that go in there. So maybe it's the Thwaites, maybe uh, the the leaders of the No Name League that we're <laughs> introduced to uh, in, in this episode. So yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult one to to know. And um, because certainly on the basis of that scene, it is two people. Yeah. Um, whereas it could ultimately just simply be a husband and wife returning, uh, at night. Yeah. But certainly as well, then Bette Sykes is in a completely different outfit. She's got no Federer. She's True. not in a long, uh, black, uh, rain jacket. Um, and she seems to be dolled up. Uh, in a very different way compared to the person that we do glimpse in, in that murder yep. scene. You get uh,
0: flashbacks to season one of Gotham where we were trying to work out who killed the Waynes. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting, I'm definitely getting flashbacks. Absolutely. So, <laughs> what if the Waynes killed? Uh, well, it, well I, Wayne, uh, Wayne and Kane now. But what if they're the ones that killed Esme to try and get Alfred on side, and that's why Martha's so uh so down about it? I don't think Martha. No, I
1: don't think so. And <laughs> I don't think Thomas would kill anybody either. But, uh, but I, I think there's still a lot of uh of a way to go here with this yeah. uh, murderer. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure it's that couple that we see going in because ultimately. Um, I think There's Bette Sykes could have coming back from the pub, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think ultimately Bet Sykes could have snuck in. Yeah. You know, that's her way into the apartment complex, mm-hmm. and, and then I think she could have actually killed that dude or taken his coat and jacket. But then there would be another murder, and we've not heard anything about that. So yeah, yeah I I'm not convinced it's Bet Sykes to be honest. Okay. I'm not convinced it's the Waynes. I'm not yeah. convinced it's Peggy. I do ultimately feel. It's the inspector as is. Inspector Aziz. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Yeah. We'll see how, uh, see what will play out. But I really do like these type of murder mysteries. I loved it in season one of Gotham trying to work out who it was. I hope they keep it in the show this time because it did seem in Gotham it decided to kind of veer off into the world of the mafia world and the and the villains of gotham and didn't stick to that central premise of who killed the waynes Uh, so it felt like that went on for about two seasons or three seasons i think that whole idea of who it was that killed the waynes and then felt a little disappointing when it eventually got there because it had added in so much other stuff so hopefully we'll get a bit more of of who it was that killed esme Um we do hear from ripper that he has a contact that may know who it is that killed uh, Esme, but nobody really knows for definite. He's not giving Alfred the actual name of the person that killed Esme because he doesn't know himself. But as I mentioned, onto question two, because there's somebody else that's also trying to come back to themselves from something significant. Will his lordship find his way back to himself? As Bet and Peggy are having this conversation in the back of the car, we see that bet recognizes someone on the street she recognizes lord harwood tied up like a dog in the street with a sign saying take pity on me beside him um that's really tough that's a that's a certain certainly a fall from grace from the first episode where he's having a dinner party with everybody and all the big high society members in ten around his house and now he's got no nose we see he's got no, no toes yeah exactly uh, and he's tied up like a, a dog in the street by um by Young
1: Jack Wilde. Yes, who does get his eye pricked out, mm-hmm. uh, by, um, you know, it, it's a brooch, pin in the eye, uh, wrestling kind of move from, uh, <laughs> from Bet Sykes here. We certainly see that he is starting to come back to himself. He suddenly remembers that he likes Haddock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is being clothed. He's being fed by, um, Bet and Peggy Sykes. And the spices um I think it's in their house still but yeah. certainly um I I'm I'm enjoying that Peggy is back I'm glad that she hasn't gone from this show I kind of felt she could be but I' I like that Peggy is working with uh bet and helping her to to rehabilitate Lord Harwood here yeah. I I certainly think that there will be this moment where he does um come back to himself uh certainly i think we're starting to see the signs here for sure yeah actually come to think of it, i'm not sure whether that is the Spicer's house that we saw before
0: the layout of the house is very different to what we saw on the last episode uh it's a completely different kitchen that they're in it's a it's a kitchen that has a table right in the middle of the of the floor maybe just the camera's in a different it, position yeah it
1: could be the london abode because i don't yeah. think they've gone back i don't think up they've driven all the way back it. up north yeah,
0: yeah. um but what I do like is that uh, Mr. Spicer is driving them around and has to wear the latex mask over his face <laughs> to cover uh, him up. He's got a he's got a blonde wig and a latex mask yeah. over his face, covering up who he is. Uh, I think that's really funny. But he seems completely enamoured with what Peggy's doing. His wife seems a little bit put out, not not too much. She seems to be going along with it,
1: but um, but- yeah, it, it, it's difficult to understand how this relationship came to to hmm. be, and I wonder if we will ever ever know about it. Maybe it's just that idea of you know the the quiet ones and the swinger community maybe yeah. you know, the bowl with the car keys and what goes <laughs> on behind closed doors yeah. and and certainly it, it's interesting to wonder whether um you know two older actors would think that they would be uh, both playing sort of sl- uh, gimp slaves with with a, <laughs> a you know a spite. Uh, clergy collar, uh-huh. and having to act in, in just their underwear, um, putting on shoes for Lord Harwood. Uh, but certainly, um, or should I say Ginger? Because that's the other thing here. Absolutely. To begin with, he does not remember even his name. Yeah. So they call him Ginger. I I like how Bet tries to force the the fact that you must know that you're Lord Harwood. I used to work for you. Yeah. You employed me. Um, I was in the security team and then Peggy is the one that kind of says well if you don't you don't and that's fine for the moment we'll call you Ginger yeah and she's kind of taking the longer the, the longer game here but certainly um, I wonder when Ginger be, starts to know that he is Lord Harwood how will this interact with Francis Gaunt Um because Will he take offence that she hasn't been out looking for him? Mm-hmm, maybe. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe. Um, it is interesting, as you say, like Peggy takes the lead here because Beth does seem to be a person that can kind of flip on a dime. She could have just killed Harwood because he's not doing what she wants him to do, and Peggy kind of takes a step back, as you say, and just kind of goes, "Right, it's come down here. Let's just." let's just give this guy an opportunity to breathe, you know, for a moment. It's, it's, it is quite interesting. I love that they try and help him to walk. They put the shoes on him and, and the the spices try and help him to walk around the house. And they seem really pleased that he's able to walk for a second. And then he kind of calls out the Ozymandias poem. This is a yeah. poem by, by Percy Shelley. Um, the lines that he calls out are very specific in from that poem. It's effectively saying uh, Ozymandias was a character that was saying, I'm the leader and nobody else can take over from me. Uh, show me your best works and mine will be better than yours. Um, which is quite interesting because we have this guy who used to be the leader of the Raven Society, who's now fallen uh, on massively hard times, yeah. and somebody else has taken over the society from. Him. So, uh, so that's specifically speaking to that situation that he's in, even though he doesn't remember it. So, yeah, I think that's that's quite cool. Uh, just just because you mentioned it about the Spicers, I did think it was quite interesting when the official Pennyworth account put the video up. Or put the photograph up of, uh, Mr. Spicer under the table wearing the, uh, the S and M gear. Uh, it seems like a friend of the actor who plays us tagged him in the post saying, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> realize when you said you had a small role in Pennyworth, this is what you meant. <laughs> so uh, I love that. He seems very proud. He's very happy that he's been in the show, but I love that one of his mates saw a photograph of him on Facebook and went, is that you? That yeah, <laughs>
1: absolutely. But I, I think this is the good thing. And, and we got this in, um, Gotham. Uh, you know, we, we got the, these really special, you know, smaller roles mm-hmm. within Gotham that really stood out. Um, and, and we used to, you know, what was the the, the, the best actor of the week that, yeah. that wasn't in a major role or major guest um, role. Yeah. Uh, and here, I think it's really nice that the spices, you know, introduced in what, episode two or three, mm-hmm. are, have been featured in at least three episodes so far. Absolutely. And they are maintained within the world of Pennyworth. And I like that. It's the same with Peggy. You know, I was wondering, is John Ripper, is Peggy Sykes, are the Spices, are these just one-off episode people, mm-hmm. you know, or does this fuel through the the series? And, and I think what we're finding here is that Peggy is just as much a part of Bette uh, and what she is doing. And it, it's nice to have them working as a team. Definitely. Even though I think Bette is you know, the the lead here to some extent mm-hmm. in the world of the Raven Society, but in the domestic setting back at home, Peggy is the one that kind of calls the shot. So yeah. it's kind of like a nice little tag team. I kind uh, of
0: like this like sc- Scissor Sisters idea, the two of them being as bad at each other in just very different ways. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Beth seems to fly off the handle a lot more than Peggy. Peggy seems very specific about her type of villainy, I suppose, or her type of yeah. badness. She knows exactly how far to push it. Um, but she's still very strong when Beck comes against her. So.
1: And I'm really pleased that the Spices still are there wearing <laughs> their gimp masks uh, and in their leathers and with their sort of collars and, and. You know, on arena. a walking lead and all this yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, it's kind of the same with the, the club proprietor mm-hmm. as well that yeah. he, he's there. There's, it just adds a little bit of familiarity
0: to the wider world. Exactly. And I like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one final thing on, on this one for me. I love. Uh, after Beth turns Jack Wilde into one-eyed Jack. Um, when she does that, I love that we have Lord Harwood across the road clapping his hands, <laughs> very happy with himself because he's been treated so badly by this kid, um, turning him into a dog, t- uh, tying him up with a leash against yeah. a wall that you would think that he has no realization of how bad his situation is. And you see when Beth does that to Jack that he does realize how bad it is. And I think, I just think it's a good thing. It kind of does feel like he will eventually hopefully come back to himself in some way. Um, maybe not fully to himself, but uh, but it is it is an interesting moment.
1: Yeah, I think on to question three. Ooh, yes. What was the CIA's plan?
0: Big moment here. We do get yeah. confirmation that Alfred was right instantly when he saw Thomas Wayne saying, you clearly work for the CIA. You clearly are one of the shadow hatted men basically so uh so he's absolutely right uh thomas wayne is undercover for the cia within the organization of the no-name league um i love he's giving his report to his contact in the cia who they're not supposed to meet uh like this out in the open um but he says to him that you know what's going to happen here is that they want the leader of the raven society murdered the no-name league wants the leader of the raven society murdered and the, the representative of the CIA says, yeah, I know, because that's what we wanted to happen. We want these two societies. If it's going to go down, we want the No Name League to be the ones to take out the leader of the Raven Society. So that's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, effectively, you have No Name and the Raven Society, but they are being engineered by the CIA. I mean, this is classic um, regime change uh Using undercover uh, techniques yeah. and, and espionage uh, it, very much in the same way that was done in, um, you know, Latin America by the US uh, and in, in other parts of the world, yeah. you know, during the Cold War, this idea that you change the regime. Uh, subtly, you, you have moments where you influence, and so it would seem that this months later, where the streets are crazy, there's fighting, it's this gang warfare between mm-hmm. the two, uh, leagues, uh, the two societies, it, it's, it's being engineered by the CIA uh, in order to get the leaders of those two um, organizations together so that then, because the CIA would prefer to see the No Name League rather than um, the Raven Society, which is an interesting one that uh, the U.S. would prefer to see a left wing uh, society mm-hmm. uh, prevail rather than a, a a more right of center or right wing um Within what's happening currently, okay, uh, yeah. that seems kind of a little interesting, you yeah. know, a little mix-up. Uh, to be honest, uh, yeah. I do kind of quite like that.
0: But because one of our listeners did correct us on uh, on the time period that they're talking about, uh, they have said it's the sixties. I think we were very specific about them saying it was nineteen sixty-three. Um, there is a mishmash. There's loads of stuff going on in different in different years being put into this, but apparently they have just said it's '60s set. They haven't said 63 specifically. So we wouldn't be able to say, for example, that this is while John F. Kennedy is the president of the U S at the time, but it may be during his presidency that this is happening, which would make sense. You know, it's, it's uh, more of a left wing time than a right wing time and power in the US at that time, but it could be during Eisenhower's presidency. It could be during LBJ's presidency, it could be anybody that's, that's the president of the US at that time. Yeah. Um, so we don't really know who would be the president as such and who would be guiding what the CIA is doing in foreign countries, but it is really interesting that, yeah, they would side with, they want to see the no name society as the, as the leaders here. So that's quite interesting.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you think like Noriega most of these is kind of military type figures um and generally right leaning yeah. uh, figures as well yeah. so yeah really uh, interesting thing but right. I, I think the other interesting thing here with Thomas Wayne is that the idea that he will go on assignment to murder uh Francis Gaunt mm-hmm. is is shocking to him and it's something as well that um you know he, he does try and simply put onto someone else's uh sort of schedule really both Martha Kane and Alfred that, you know, well, you go off and do this. Um, and then, but Martha has that moment where as well, you know, she goes to, to Alfred and he's, he doesn't want anything to do with it. No more killing. He says, um, which is interesting because by the end of the episode, he is killing her Absolutely. again. Absolutely, but there's a different driver here. I think certainly this moment that she comes offering this assignment, you know, he is still very much uh, racked with with the guilt, yeah. as well as the grief, uh, and so turns Martha down. And it's killing for money for Martha is the difference, really, yeah. isn't it?
0: Whereas for John Ripperies, it's killing for the information that could lead him to find the person that actually did cause the death of Esme so it's quite a significant difference between the two ideals I do like how Thomas Wayne protests against this uh job that comes from the no-name league where he says I didn't join the league for this and they go what did you join for and he goes well peace and freedom isn't that What the whole (laughs) society is about—peace and freedom—yet you're telling me to kill someone. You know, it's quite interesting. Even the people that are fighting in the street are under the banners of peace and freedom on that side. So, uh, so you can kind of understand why Thomas Wayne is going. Oh, okay. I know, I know, I'm undercover for the CIA here, but I didn't realize that peace and freedom meant murder and death. Like,
1: you know. Well, exactly. But uh, with the with Martha and Alfred not doing it, then he has to turn. uh, He tries to recruit Davy Boy and and Basil, which only Davy Boy takes the takes the offer up um because i think baza very much is i don't want anything to do with this kind of assassination it is absolutely. assassination yeah uh, it feels like it it feels maybe different from what uh, an army figure or an ex army figure would think is um justified possibly yeah. um so baza absolutely uh you know rules himself out of this mm-hmm. however Davy boy for 500 each or a thousand for one, uh, is absolutely more than willing to go and take this role for the the money.
0: Well, he says he's done it for free before. He's done worse for free before is what he said, you know. Uh, isn't it interesting? Did you think that was lowballing it quite a bit since we saw Alfred got 10 grand for just going on a drive
1: for a day? Yeah. I was a little shocked at the amount of money that they were offering given the 10 grand. Yeah. Because he said 500
0: quid and then. Dave Boy goes each and you can kind of see Thomas go, I'm getting a total bargain here. Yeah, no problem at all. A grand basically, but it feels really low bottled. And, and I don't think Alfred even asked for the 10 grand. No, he did. He asked for 10 grand and she said instantly, yes, we would have. And then Thomas tells her, we would have paid more because we want Alfred.
1: Yeah. Um, I, but I think for the job, it's still a lot because it was five pounds an hour and this is just a yeah. thousand for a one off hit. Yeah. Um, so. I think in the time period it's still a lot of money it's just the 10,000 was massive I suspect that's probably something to do with um the computer that was taken to safety Absolutely. as much as the 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 person uh the doctor uh, around that
0: Yeah yeah and I think it was also trying to guess um alfred on side as well exactly. as, as, as the point let's take a bit of a deeper dive into the no name league with our next our next point question four is the end of the no name league because once again we thought we saw the end of the raven society because everybody was gone but now we have dr gould stepping up but she's awesome as the leader of the raven society now we have the no name league so this kind of starts off in the episode where we have julian undyne twice meeting up with uh thomas wayne we haven't met the two of them before uh, but it's really interesting that effectively that's that's just Bled all out there. Undyne is there telling Thomas he must kill Dr. Gould, the leader of the Raven Society, while also having an arrangement to kill her own husband, the leader of the No Name Society. So effectively, if everything had worked out the way they thought it was going to work out... There would be no leaders and she would be the leader of the No Name Society. So that's quite an interesting thing just to keep in mind there.
1: Yeah. It was good meeting uh both Julian and Undine, to be honest. And it was kind of surreal as well, because Thomas is there with a hood over his head, so he doesn't know where he's going. They're going through darkened tunnels and it, it brings you out into this fairly kind of, you know, that sixties modern modernist look mm-hmm. um of a, a fairly domestic. Um, situation with kids at the breakfast table, yeah. uh, two people on the sofa, only just the presence of a, you know, a, a guy with a machine gun mm-hmm. a- and the fact that they've come through this weird way to get into the, the home. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of surreal, really. It did kind of remind me very much of the, the David Hockney picture of Mr. and Mrs. Clark and Percy, okay. um, which is famous painting of a young couple sat in a very modern setting with their pet cat Um, and it just felt like that kind of feeling to me that this was a regular dynamic couple with a lot of money um doing what they can do it just so happens their job is um, running a sort of semi-terrorist organization. Right. Uh, you know, they're rich, but ultimately they live out their life as though they are a successful, rich, uh, middle class couple in uh, with a, a, a leaning towards modern architecture. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. That's really quite interesting. And I have to have a look at that painting because I don't think I, I recognize it from the description. I'll have to have a look at it. Um, but they arranged the meeting with Dr. Gaunt at this lovely restaurant in the center of London, um, to arrange for effectively her death. Um, but I like that they start out this discussion with the similarities between the No Name Society and the Raven Society. And particularly because Dr. Gaunt doesn't believe there are any similarities at all. Whereas no. it feels kind of like, uh, Julian Thwait is pleading for her to respect the fact that there are some similarities and please don't kill us and please don't wipe out our entire organization <laughs> kind of thing. He's saying to her, you know, that um that they both have lost people over the time during this battle and she goes, Well you've lost four for every one that we've lost. Your society's on the brink. You're about to fall apart. And then she says well, the Raven Society have God on our side. The no Aim Society just have right and reason on their side, basically. So very different sides of society here between the two yeah. of them.
1: It's it's really good. I, I mean, for me, I, I completely get this. I, I love Frances Gaunt, um and I really like her. Um She just takes it to them at each turn. So even when they toast and Julian Thwaite says to friends and the future, she just yeah. responds with to the future. Yeah. Um, these are not her friends. She is not going to get into a cozy uh, dinner party with them, even though that's the setting that they've chosen. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, in terms of dinner parties, as it goes, it goes a lot better for Francis Gaunt than it does uh, for the Thwaites, at least initially on the surface. And yeah. I like that we see Davy Boy uh, coming through the kitchen, having to sort, of <laughs> sort himself out there and, and yeah. put all the... Uh, all the kitchen staff into the storeroom. And that absolutely wasn't the plan. I love that the chef instantly
0: recognized this is not a guy that works in our beautiful kitchen. (laughs) You know, like we've seen reality shows about people cooking in a kitchen and a chef would know every single person exactly. that's coming in and out there i love the baby boy just like thinks he can throw on a uniform and carry a bucket with him and he can get through what i love as well is that he puts all everybody in the staff into this room locks the door and as he's walking out then the waiter walks into the kitchen <laughs> yeah. has to do the whole thing again so he's totally unplanned
1: and you have that moment then back in the dining area mm-hmm. where they go where is the, bloody the, the waiter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's really good. Mm-hmm. So we see Davy Boy coming out to, you know, take aim at Francis Gaunt, and she pulls a weapon and shoots him in the stomach. Yeah. Um, and this is what I think is great about her. She comes across as a little bumbly, a little bit librarian, um, yes. uh, and that, you know, she wouldn't harm a fly. But she is ruthless. She does protect herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and despite, you know, both her bodyguards being... um taken out by Davey Boy, she calmly pulls out a pistol uh, and, and fires into his stomach. And presumably that pistol was there, was it there maybe to take out the Thwaites? Because maybe. the interesting thing here, they don't seem to have bodyguards yeah. uh, present.
0: Yeah. Because they've organized for her death by the hired gunman, I suppose. So they don't yeah. feel like there's any kind of challenge. Yeah, Dave's ultimate problem here wasn't it that he didn't want to shoot her without her closing her eyes effectively so he wasn't going to shoot her until she closed her eyes she has no such remorse effectively but i do like that she chooses the place to shoot dave boy even in that split second you can tell that she's shooting him somewhere that won't kill him instantly and then she uses her doctor skills to try and mend him back Effect almost immediately you know she shoots him and then goes right you girl get over here put your hand there um, and he says I love he starts the speech that you're about to get from the dying soldiers like many a man has tried shut up you fool yeah <laughs> so, exactly uh, I love that where it's like you know just keep quiet we'll we'll sort you out if we can you know uh, I do like like this character hoping hoping, we're going to see loads more of Dr. Gaunt throughout the series because as Alfred arrives in as well he's got the mask over his face balaclava. Uh, he walks through the kitchen that's already been cleared by Dave Boy <laughs> Yeah, um, comes in and the minute he walks in he just looks at Dave Boy on the floor and goes what what have you done now, Dave Boy,
1: you know? Yeah, and you have Francis Gaunt going, Oh my goodness, you're the man from the library, yeah. from Boston Wassett. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. You're the, the dark herd uh, man who you know basically beat her up. And yeah. Yeah, there's this whole moment where, like, sh- you know, the Thwaites don't know what's really going on. Who's this other guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, Francis recognizes him. He realizes that Davey Boy is injured. Um, and then, Quite frankly, probably one of the best sawn-off shotgun moves oh, ever well. as, um, yes, Julian Thwaite is taken out from the top half of the head, uh, with this sawn-off shotgun. Um, oh, yes. And, and yes, uh, Frances Gaunt is, is spurs. She isn't the intended target of, of Alfred. It is, uh, Julian Thwaite. And it's just the image of, the bottom half of his head remaining with uh-huh. the bottom half of the jaw and just this and bit of blood yeah. kind yeah. of, uh, yeah, dribbling onto the, uh, restaurant floor. So yes. A, a little Tarantino moment there. It I think. is a little Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. It's quite, uh, graphic, quite explicit, but, yeah. uh, ultimately, I suppose that's exactly what a sawn or shotgun would do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially is, at that
0: close range. Yeah. yeah
1: exactly. And. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Dinner party in chaos. Absolutely. Um, and the no-name society, seemingly rudderless now. Yeah. Um, uh, and the Raven society in an ascendancy. So you're there going, okay, so John Ripper is uh with the Raven Society. Yeah. He is wanting to promote and, you know, absolutely consolidate the Raven Society above the no-name society. Yeah. He's asked Alfred to effectively take out their leader in, in Julian Thwaite. Uh, and so at this moment, it is the no-name society are, are done. They're rudderless. Yeah. Uh, you don't really see his wife, Udine, uh, having much uh, say in... in how to run and organise the no-name society. So this is very interesting. You know, what starts off as seemingly a fait accompli with the CIA backing to get rid of uh, Francis Gaunt ends up with her still alive, with Julian uh, assassinated by Alfred, um, and seemingly uh, a move towards the end of the no-name society. As a rule, though, John, if you have to
0: use French to describe something, I don't like it. (laughs) <laughs> but anyway now i do like that the end of the scene we do have alfred taking dave boy out he asks dr gaunt is it okay to move him and she goes well you probably shouldn't it'll probably end off in his death but go right ahead because <laughs> he did what, come yeah. to kill me basically yeah. so if he's gonna die i don't really care basically i've done my best to keep him alive um they end off back in the uh slaughtered arms pub um with Dead boy bleeding out on the table waiting for a new doctor to come. And as you mentioned earlier on, yeah, he does have sex with the landlord's daughter, Sandra, who's definitely been throwing more eyes on this episode and last episode uh, than she was before uh, he saved her from Jack Ripper. So, um yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is why I feel that Alfred is still broken. Mm-hmm. Um He's kind of all over the place, really. Uh, he was when Esme was still alive with the, the brief encounter with Martha. Yeah. He's certainly having a brief encounter now with, um, Sandra, the landlord's daughter, whilst his friend is potentially bleeding out in, in the, the main part of the pub. A little less brief than his encounter with, with Martha though. <laughs> well, it depends, but I mean, yeah, ultimately. It was just a kiss of um, Martha. So. <laughs> and, and, okay, maybe it's a grief thing, but he, he's kind of all over the place. Yes, yeah. You know, he doesn't want to take a job, no more killing, and then will do because it's around Esme, but mm-hmm. then, uh, we have Sandra. So I think really what it's showing is just how screwed up, um, Alfred yeah. is. And I yeah. think that is absolutely it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple other things just before we go on to our final point, um, because, there's a, there's lots going on with the No Name League and the Raven Society within this episode. We now see that the battle has, has kind of fallen onto the streets. We never saw gangs before this couple of months later uh, in the streets under banners of each of the societies. It did make me laugh a little bit. I think you probably remember the sketch show, uh, Mitchell and Webb look where they had that thing of the Nazis looking at their uniforms going, are we the bad guys here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in here we have the No Name League walking the streets under banners of peace and love effectively and England for all and all that kind of stuff. And then you see the Raven Society with the raven overhead, which looks very suspiciously like the SS, uh, commandos, uh, logo from, uh, from, would you call it a logo? Is that the wrong word?
1: Yeah, it's kind of the, <laughs> it's, it's the open winged eagle, yeah. um, which is very reminiscent of the standard bearing. Uh, the standard bearers for, at sort of big Nazi propaganda rallies, yeah. um, for sure. So you um, gotta
0: think that some people in the Raven would look at that sign and go, are we the bad guys here?
1: Well, exactly,
0: yeah. <laughs> we're not under the banner of peace and love, so we must be, right? Uh, anyway, that's that's all I wanted to say on that one. But, oh, sorry, there's also the kids in the street. You, you pointed out, John, when uh, when Ripper pops over to uh, Alfred's house, there's kids on the street making Molotov cocktails yeah, exactly. outside. Yeah.
1: It's like, I thought they were making lemonade to sell in the streets. Well, that's but, what I thought, yeah. and then I saw the rag coming out the top of the bottle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, England, yes. England on fire. Exactly. Mm. England is in turmoil.
0: Mm-hmm. But our final question, following on from Is the End of the non M League, or is this just the beginning of everything and yes. it feels like a beginning this episode
1: this is a shock horror mm-hmm. moment um in many respects i think for me you know we see edine thwaite you know widowed but ultimately saying she feels nothing yeah and um, we see coming out of the ensuite uh, bathroom john ripper and so what Initially, uh, I thought he was working for the Raven Society. Mm -hmm. It ends up he has a more intimate um, relationship with Udine Thwaite. And it's part of the larger plan to establish her as the leader of not only the No Name League, but of Britain. Yeah, Um, Yeah. And I think this really juxtaposes quite nicely next to the prime minister and the queen speaking with inspector aziz about this sort of bloodshed and assassination attempt Uh, and it comes to this point on Udine where they say she you know she makes pottery they feel that she is no threat whatsoever yeah that she simply was um Julian's other half that had no power, had no say. Um, and in fact, what we could see here is that she was the power player within that couple.
0: Exactly. But like they have this kind of joke about the fact that she'd been given the leadership role until some elections can happen in the future. There's this kind of joke with Queen Elizabeth because she's not unelected. Uh, minister she's not an elected leader she's the queen of the country who doesn't go through elections and they're kind of going oh this woman this what is she a pottery or a poet a poet or something is that what she is exactly oh and they've given her they've given her the leadership over everybody else in the society basically these guys are useless so we also see they're pretty happy to have the raven society in a position of power despite the fact they tortured harwood to the point of taking off his nose they're kind of happy with the raven society for what they think they've done and they're going to reward dr gaunt for what she did even though it's not dr gaunt at all um undone thwaite has kind of gone under the radar from from everybody here by using john ripper to to commit this crime and running out of the place so everybody's giving a bit of praise to dr gaunt for something that she didn't even do which I like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I'm sure it's she's going to really, take that as well. Yeah, it's a really nice ending because, mm-hmm. you know, she says, I feel nothing. Um, I was hoping to be happy. It, it seems like she also wanted to get out of a loveless marriage or relationship with her, uh, now dead, um, and slightly decapitated husband. Absolutely. Uh, Julian. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But there's also a little bit of a a, a suggestion that she wants the leadership of the society. It's not just that it's a loveless marriage. It's that she has to go along with everything he said. But the two of them were in every room, remember? So the two of them, I think, were co-leaders of the society. But she feels she should be the full leader of the society. Exactly. It's a two birds with
1: one stone. It's not only does she get rid of her uh, challenger to sole leader of the no name, but Mm -hmm. also this relationship which just seems like she's um ridden over roughshod by julian yeah. in, in all the decision makings uh but it's that john rippers tells her that england will soon be hers Absolutely. so yeah this is a real like interesting point um and uh really looking forward to see what will happen
0: yeah and she certainly never made any of those kind of mentions to Dr. Gaunt, uh, at all about their societies being any way similar. It was all Julian that was trying to do the pleading with her as well. So interesting to see what, what it'll be like with these two leaders up against each other.
1: But that's it, because she did in that, uh, restaurant. It seemed like she was the one that was just there as the ornament. She was, mm. you know, reserved, pulled back, not saying anything, just allowing Julian to speak. And that's why I think, you know, it's a bit of a two birds with one stone yeah. here. And finally on this point, because we did mention
0: a little bit earlier on, but it's important to note that DIZ's Prime Minister and the Queen are happy enough with the outcome here that the Raven Society have done what they want to do, yet the CIA wanted the opposite outcome. They're the ones that yeah. wanted the No Name Society involved. So potentially this is trying to overthrow the Queen and their government. Uh, the CIA trying to get involved in that situation there. Um, so th- that's just kind of interesting seeing it from the higher level, I suppose. Definitely. Like that's it for the questions for the episode. Any other notes that you had or any other thoughts that you had on the episode, John? No. Nope just a couple of quick notes for me on the rest of the episode i thought it was quite interesting seeing baza kind of fall off the wagon a bit now that he doesn't have dave boy around and he doesn't have alfred around he's been kind of the moral core of this group for a while as well trying to help the two of them and now when he's on his own he seems to have gone down a bit of a bad path um but alfred gives him an opportunity to come back when he clears himself up when he cleans himself up so i think that's quite interesting just that that they might be back together in the future. also, just one thing to stand that really stood out to me because I'm a big fan of Beck and I'm a big fan specifically of the song Jackass that he did. Um, it uses a sample from Van Morrison's song, It's Over Now, Baby Blue, which was played at the end of this episode, but it's the sample at the beginning of the Beck song. So the minute I heard it, I was going, I can't play Beck. That came out in like 1998. <laughs> you know, I know they're using songs from, from our time occasionally, but they usually do a sixties type cover version, but it's the other way around. It is a sample from Van Morrison's song and it's a cool song. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, it was really good. Again, the music throughout this episode was really, really good. Mm-hmm. So uh I, I do like it. With all of our notes and all of our questions done, John, how would you rate this episode of Pennyworth? Um, I really enjoyed the episode. I give this four cups of tea out of five. Uh I really thought it was a good episode. I liked how it moved from Esme's death and murder and the funeral and just, you know, impacted pennyworth here uh, and alfred i love the use of of spanish as as a ghost as this um questioning figure and it was good fun to have the former gun-toting proprietor of the darkness tea rooms (laughs) uh, back in there it was good to kind of have the the two organizations with the ravens and the no-name society kind of exploded open here and law harwood uh, brought back into a, a role where you can see how he will, um, come back to, to cause maybe some misery for the current, uh, prime minister mm-hmm. in, in, uh, Britain. So I, I thought this was really nicely done. And, um, I suppose for me, it was just how incredibly off the rails Alfred is. This is yeah. not what I was expecting him to see to have, you know, um, the, the moment with the landlord's uh, daughter in, in the bar. Again, another woman very soon after Esme's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a few months have passed, but it's it, it still, you know, he's very much been wallowing in grief uh, and um and guilt. I, I, I like the fact that that also is with... Martha Kane. Uh so there's so much here really going on with um the, the reveal that Thomas Wayne is with the CIA and um just that there is these assassination attempts and and so uh I, I can't wait to see the next episode. So yeah, absolutely, four cups of tea out of five. Mm-hmm.
0: I would definitely have gone higher in this episode. I'm like a four and a half to five yeah, really, almost. Yeah. yeah. This is probably my favorite episode of the season so far because it feels like something they're really telling a, an interesting story now about Alfred. It's not just this is the young life of Alfred Pennyworth that you know. These are some of the darkest times that he went through is what the story seems to be going and telling us now. So I uh, really, really like this episode. Really looking forward to episode six of the series next
1: week. Yeah, excellent stuff.
0: We're not going to have any feedback for any of our episodes. Uh... Well, we have. that. I know, but that's because we did episode four after, we released episode four later on in the week after it aired last Sunday. We released it on Friday. Week. That's why we had feedback. Like, yeah. But this will be released in the middle but of the we'll night. But so. it...
1: we'll
0: just do it. we edit all... the whole podcast and just release it tomorrow night. So... Or something,
1: yeah, and I think ultimately what we do is we say that for the last episode we'll release it a little later just to get all okay, your feedback correct. in. Great.
0: If you want to let us know what you think about Pennyworth as a series so far and any of the episodes so far, you can email us to our royal mail at feedback at TV Podcast Industries.com. You can join us over on Facebook and our Facebook groups facebook.com slash groups slash tv podcast industries or slash gotham tv podcast if you want to talk about anything to do with the show Uh, or you can follow us over on twitter at gotham tv podcast thanks so much for joining us for this episode
1: yeah thanks so much for joining us we'll be back next Monday with our review of pennyworth episode six entitled Silla (laughs) black
0: looking forward to it
1: thank you so much governors for joining us as always it's a pleasure i'm off for a nice light dinner. But with a bulletproof vest, because I've had some really bad things of late in the dining scene in London. But once I'm back, fully recovered from food poisoning, hopefully rather than a bullet to the head. <laughs> I'll put the uh, no food poisoning. Yes, either. and no food poisoning <laughs> either. Uh, we'll be back to speak with you again soon. Bye. Ta-ra! Bye. Bye.